Murang Maji. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Take It Black, where we take a look behind the scenes of all the goings on at NITV. That's the National Indigenous Television, but we do a lot more than just television. I am Ray Johnston. And Yama, I'm Kira Jenkins, joining Ray for this episode of Take It Back. Yeah, we've had a little bit of a break. Uh, it, it seems that it's quite difficult to produce news and a whole lot of content uh, during a major global crisis. Who would have thought? Uh, and this episode is a little bit meta. We are digging into how the news is made and how it's made during a, you know, air quotes, unprecedented time of a crisis. So, Kira, what's this experience been like for you? Yeah, so I've been working at home since March. This is my first week back in the office and it's it's been strange, really. I think... It, it it does feel like years since I've been in here and, and, and you know, been in the company of other people. So it is, it's, you know, you, at first you get, you try to get used to working at home and it seems strange and, and weird, but then you get used to it and then you come back and it feels strange and weird again. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it's kind of happening in waves. I, I have moments where I'm not okay with it and I have moments where it just works better for me than I ever thought that it would. And I, I don't know how to find that happy medium once again. And it is, it's really strange coming back into the office and you know, working this way remotely, producing news has presented some really interesting challenges for our whole team, really. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just, you know, trying to access our, you know, our huge database of of our library and all those kinds of things just becomes a, a massive task when, when you're at home and thinking, oh, I need to see this thing, but you you just can't. You have to email someone to get it for you and yeah. that kind of thing. It's It's... It is interesting. Yeah, there were a whole lot of systems that previously weren't available to us from home and you know the, the whole way you know, SBS and NITV worked as a media company had to adapt and change. And I spoke to Rana Collins, who's our executive producer, looks after way too much for, for one human being, about all the you know different innovative ways we've been telling our stories since the pandemic did change the way we work. So... Let's have a bit of a listen. So my full job title is Executive Editor of the Indigenous News and Current Affairs team at NITV National Indigenous Television. What a mouthful. <laughs> that is a mouthful. Um, how long have you been in your role now? I am coming up on two years, a little bit shy of two years. And yeah. were you at NITV before that as well? I was. I have had... I think I'm one of the people at NITV that have, has worked in almost every team um, within our channel. So I, my first foray into NITV was actually working as an external producer, um, creating all sorts of short form content for the channel. So I made promos, I made channel idents, um, I was freelancing at the time and also working at a variety of news channels. Um, Sky News and ABC twenty ABC News twenty four at the time, um, and then I came in working as a promo producer and an editor, and went from there into the business and strategy team, working really closely with our channel manager Tanya Orman, and yeah, then kind of made the jump 
back, if you like, to news and current affairs. So I think it's safe to say that you know how this (laughs) media channel works inside out. Know and love it, yeah. (laughs) So we're obviously doing our jobs now in a really difficult time. You know, everyone who is still able to work right now is had to adjust in, in one way or another. Has there ever been any kind of event like this that has caused so much disruption to the workplace? I think not in my professional career that I've ever experienced and certainly not in my experience leading a team. So I have, you know, sort of been at the coalface of some really difficult times. I was sort of at the Weather Channel when the Black Saturday bushfires were happening and, you know, I've I've certainly been there in the face of natural disaster Uh, and working through, you know, the challenges of a community facing an issue as a whole or the country facing an issue as a whole, Um, but not something to this depth, to this scale that, you know, hits the whole world and completely reshapes the way that we do our jobs. Um, It's kind of, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, you know, we've had to completely pivot from what our plans were for 2020 being such a crucial and important anniversary year and all of the layers of dissecting this colonisation anniversary year of 2020 and it's been a bit of a journey kind of reshaping what our editorial is going to look like and, you know, not being able to have journalists going out to tell stories and and not being able to get out to country and, and being kind of hampered in regards to getting guests in for our programs. So... It's affected us on so many different ways and scales and, yeah, we've had to completely redevelop our entire suite of programs to accommodate it. Yeah, most of us are working remotely. How do you manage a team when they're scattered all over the country, working from home? How do you make sure that that still works and that everyone feels supported? Yeah, so it's, look, I think in a way we had an advantage that we already had a team that was working from sort of five different states to territories across the country. So we knew how to work with a team based remotely from our sort of HQ. Um, But in a way, you know, our team has had to completely, um, we've had to completely change the way that we engage with each other. So I think just as every other business, we've been leaning so heavily on, you know, Teams and Zoom and Skype and all of these technologies, which allow us to connect when we're pretty far apart. Um, and being able to do that across the whole team has has kept us, you know, as aligned as we possibly could be, I think, during this difficult time. Are you one of those people that enjoys working from home? I enjoy a mix of both. So I've kind of got the perfect combination for me at the moment, doing some days from the office and having the luxury of being able to work from home as well. So, yeah, it's I think both have their benefits. You can really get in the zone when you're at home. Um, I find at work I'm constantly distracted and, and moving on to different things. So it's it's different states of mind in different environments. Yeah, I find myself getting kind of drained and really tired by constant Zoom meetings. I I feel like I always have to be on if the video is on and and you're really conscious of where you're looking and and how you're speaking and everything like that. Do you find the in-person meetings less exhausting than Zoom meetings or is this just me? (laughs) No, I agree. I think there is such a thing as Zoom exhaustion. There's some performative element because there's a camera on in front of you, right? And I think, you know, if you've got a journalistic or a – 
any kind of um, experience like that as a as background, you do sort of perform. You get into your little character when you're um, being broadcast. So I think uh, I definitely agree. When I've got too many Zoom meetings, I just sort of completely feel pretty um, dead by the end of the day. <laughs> so what did your day look like before all of this and what are the main differences now? Mm. So it, it was pretty busy and to be honest, I did spend most of my day on the phone beforehand because, you know, our journalists are based right across the country and, you know, we, we work um, – I work so closely with them shaping their stories for every platform – so that's on a daily basis as well as forward planning and, and how to, you know, the shaping and the craft of their features as well. So from what talent they're getting and, um, you know, what's the actual meat in the sandwich, if you like, what's the juice of their story uh, and how to, as, how to make that content sing. So how to make, uh, get over that why should I care factor and really speak to the hearts and minds of Australians with their stories. So I think that's um, a lot of time on the phone pre-COVID and if I – I probably didn't think it was possible but I spend more time on the phone now <laughs> because I've also got our Sydney journalists that I'm sort of connecting with all the time um, and, yeah, lots of Zooms, barely used Zoom before um, and I think that's actually been quite a good thing for our team to be able to connect. You know, we have a morning meeting where everybody calls into and we didn't have as good uptake prior to COVID of everybody making the effort to make that kind of connection. So that's been a really big positive, just, you know, feeling technically connected and actually seeing each other, I think helps us feel connected as a team. Yeah, obviously there's some work that can't be done from home. We have to be here at the studio, how has this physical workplace changed during this time? Yeah, I think the strangest thing about coming into the office is having to adhere to social distancing because you kind of almost get lulled into this false sense of security that things are fine and you're back in the office and you're doing your job and it's so easy. I mean, I think as blackfellas particularly, we really, um, you know, closeness and uh, it's such a way that we connect and I find myself having to continuously tell myself, you know, stay and arm's length away from your team. <laughs> don't, uh, don't go any closer. Don't, don't hover. <laughs> don't look over someone's shoulder for an edit, like specifically kind of reminding myself that just because I'm back in the office and just because, you know, things are, you know, feeling more positive, you know, the safety of our team is absolutely paramount to everything that we do. So adhering to all of those rules and social distancing requirements is so important. Yeah, absolutely. So has there been any surprising outcomes from adjusting to this new way of you know, creating TV, creating online content that you know, have really stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, we're not unique at NITV in having to pivot the way that we do things, right? Every Every media industry, every media company has had to re-look at the way that they create content in this pandemic world where we've got so many restrictions um, in the way that we can shape and tell a story. So I think one thing about being a small channel is that we are really experimental and so nothing has stopped us. You know, if anything, we've increased the amount of content um, that we've been able to produce and that's been a testament to the hard work of our team. Um, 
and also the fact that we are so unique in the Australian media landscape. So for me, I think our role was made even more pivotal, even more crucial than ever because we're a trusted source of news for our communities. So I think we were all happy to stretch and, and work as much as we needed to and as hard as we needed to in order to provide that service to our communities across the country. Um, but I think it's been incredible watching the team learn and grow and find new ways of reaching out to talent and telling stories via Zoom conferences. And I think the audience has been more forgiving than we could have possibly imagined. You know, we have all kinds of Skype difficulties in our live programs at times. And um, it's actually taken me back to when I worked you know, and you, would, you wouldn't admit this in some environments, but I worked at Sky News for a long period of time. Uh, it was different then. They used to have an amazing Indigenous recruitment program, um, an Indigenous journalism program. So this was, you know, sort of circa 2009, 2010, um, when I kind of went into Sky News. And that 24-hour environment, the same as ABC News 24, where you've got Skype calls and you've got, you know, throws to... Um, live conferences and maybe something goes wrong like it kind of took me back to the days of really journalism where you're running on a treadmill and you know there's there's an urgency in that and it's it's actually quite exhilarating in a way to be reporting on an evolving situation which you know it's so pressing for us to deliver that information to um to our community who need it so yeah it's obviously uh high stress role to be in though do you value and practice self-care oh that's a surprising question (laughs) um yeah look I I really do and you know I like many in our channel and like many in our community you know I live away from country and family so I'm really um aware of the things that make me feel good and kind of fill up my cup so yeah I I make a, a day a week to do the things that just bring me back to to life a little bit and replenish um, anything that's that's sort of made my week particularly difficult, um, you know, connecting with family. I've been using technology for quite a long time to connect with my family, um, predominantly based in Victoria and Tasmania, uh, where I'm from, Eagle Hawk Neck in the little southeast pocket. So for me, I think that's hugely important as well as I'm just – you know, I'm a saltwater girl. I've got to be by the ocean. It doesn't matter rain, hail or shine. I've got to grab a coffee and sit by the beach. Um, and that for me is, is huge. So just, it just takes a couple of little things and and I'm feeling ready and, and raring to, to rip into the next week. And what an amazing opportunity we have, you know, I, I just think it is an absolute incredible opportunity to come to work every day, to tell stories about our communities, for our communities, um, alongside so many talented Aboriginal media prof- professionals. Like, I just feel so blessed to be in this position. I feel you. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Is there anything from this time that you know, we've implemented yeah, as a society that you think we should keep? Mm. Look, I feel, and I'm an optimistic person, but I feel that we've generally been a little bit kinder to each other. And I think that's something that I'd really like to see, you know, going forward. Obviously, you know, there's some political things that we could talk about or, you know, the fact that, you know, the JobKeeper has been so incredibly important to keep um, Australians connected to their employers. 
Um, but yeah, um, I think that's the, the biggest one for me. Just really thinking about, you know, somebody else before you go in to have a conversation with them or if you just, yeah, anyone that you sort of interact with, even on the road, like just in all experiences, I've found that um, people have had a little bit more patience and just been a little kinder and I'd like to see that continue going forward. Yeah, you never know what people are going through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, see you in the office. Yeah, thanks, Ray. <laughs> great, no great to be here. Take it black. And that was Rana Collins, our EP here at NITV. Now, as well as adjusting to working remotely with systems that weren't necessarily designed to support working remotely, we've also needed to balance our coverage. You know, obviously, coronavirus is impacting literally everyone in the world in one way or another. But as we've seen, even with the last couple of weeks with you know, the rising of the Black Lives Matter movement, we can't let other important issues be ignored. And I spoke with Natalie Armat, the face of NITV News. I think she's been the face of NITV News forever, actually. She, she was there when we launched the very first episode of NITV News. So I watch Nat on a daily basis make decisions about what does and doesn't make the news and, and wanted to know, you know how it's different in, in this kind of climate. So I'm here with Natalie Armat, who most people would know as the face of NITV News. But Nat, your role is a bit broader than just having your face on the telly, isn't it? Talk me through what you actually do in your job. Right. Well, look, my official title is... NITV News presenter, producer and senior journalist. So that sort of gives you a little bit of an idea as to, you know, the many hats that I kind of wear throughout the day. Um, but, yeah, look, I really enjoy being quite hands-on um, with the news. I think the industry has changed so much um, over the last couple of years and there is no such thing as, as someone who is simply just a newsreader um, anymore. So everyone sort of is required to sort of pitch in and, and do other production tasks to help get the show to air. But I also really enjoy being a journalist and, and getting the chance sort of to, to report, perhaps not getting out quite as much at the, as the moment given the worldwide <laughs> events. But yeah, it's, it's really good to still be able to exercise those journalistic muscles and do interviews and go out on the occasional story as well as help, you know, working from the office as a producer shape our NITV news bulletins and, uh, you know, have, have a say in what stories we're going to cover, how we're going to cover them, the placement of the story in the bulletin and, and all of those behind the scenes things. So, yeah, sometimes it feels like, you know, most of my day is spent doing that and uh, the time that our audience sees me in front of the camera, that's just kind of the, the last little little bit, the exclamation point to my day. Yeah, I think it's fair to call you a veteran as well in the most complimentary way possible. Thank you, yeah. How long have you been in this role at NITV? I've actually been 12 years um, with NITV coming up. It was the 18th of August 2008 that I started. I do, I do. (laughs) (laughs) The 18th of August was the day that we were all kind of 
brought in for training. We used to be based at uh, the Foxtel studios within the Sky News newsroom um, up at Macquarie Park in Sydney, for those who are familiar with that part of the world. Um, Yeah, we basically had two weeks um, of training in the new systems and we broadcast our first ever NITV bulletin that was produced in-house because previously for about six months prior it had been hosted out of Impaja Television um, in Alice Springs but I was part of the first team that actually bought the news in-house with NITV producing it and uh, yeah the 1st of September 2008 happened to be a Monday so that was as good a day as any to start on air so yeah so I'll be coming up for that 12 year anniversary uh, later this year and uh, yeah I was just reflecting um, in terms of when I started in TV news I started just before the 2000 Olympics so of course we we covered that on the point in the episode just gone (laughs) and I've realized wow that means it's been 20 years since I first started in TV newsrooms um, which is I I don't know where the time's gone but (laughs) certainly grateful to still be gainfully employed in an industry I love after all that time. And what do you love about news? Look, I think I love the immediacy um, of it, um, especially at times like these where there's been so much information uh, that's so important to get out to people about coronavirus that literally, you know, changing almost hour to hour. So I, I love that immediacy. In terms of television news, I love that we can incorporate pictures and sound and, you know, our words and, and voice, um, of, of course. Um, you know, I've sort of fell in love with that very early in the piece. You know, they say a picture paints a thousand words. So be, to be able to um, incorporate powerful images along with, with words to communicate those um, those really important stories. So, yeah, love the immediacy. Um, I love incorporating um pictures and the creativity that that affords you as a journalist and in terms of what we do with NITV and NITV News I love that we're able to give our people's voices and stories a platform on national television which is something that uh, really didn't exist or was was certainly very very limited before NITV you know became a thing 13 years ago so yeah I think it's it's really powerful especially when we're able to broadcast images um, from some of those you know remote corners of the country that very seldom do we see stories on Australian television anywhere else and I get to play a very small part in facilitating that even if it's just introducing it on the television or maybe you know at other times of the year when we're not affected by a global health pandemic, getting out there and, um, you know, being able to, to help people tell stories, you know, direct from, from country. And uh, the way the technology's changed, even in the 12 years I've been involved, is amazing in how w- w- the corners of the, the country we're able to reach nowadays. So, yeah, I love being a part of, of that. And I think, you know, there is something exciting about television people you know do love seeing themselves so the the response that you get when you go out into communities and and allowing those communities to tell their stories is you know is a really lovely yeah. lovely thing to be a part of so it's very rewarding in in that sense too I'm not just you know other newsrooms I'd possibly have to go out and cover factory fires or you know <laughs> Yeah, Wild not too many weather events on NITV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. And look, they're worthy stories too. But the thing I love about NITV is we get to tell different stories that uh, you know really you know 
kind of, I don't want to say they're life-changing, but in some cases they are. It can be really important um, for our people to have have that voice. So I really love the stories that we get to tell that I wouldn't get to tell anywhere else. And indeed, yeah, could be telling very different stories if I worked in any other TV newsrooms around the country. It must be a real challenge to make sure that those stories are still being told at a time when we need to be putting out so much information about a pandemic to keep our people safe. How do you make decisions day to day as to, you know, what's going to make the news and, and not what's not going to make the cut because we've got so much coronavirus content to cover. That's right. And I think that's one of the dangers and one of the things I'm always really mindful on of, I guess at any any time of the year, any any news coverage, but particularly during the pandemic. I, as a journalist, as someone who is interested in news and whose job it is to cover news, like I'm just consuming it all the time and it's really easy to assume everyone out there knows as much about it as I do. So I think the most important thing, I always just try and step back from that when making those editorial decisions and just sort of think what would, you know, the person out there, the average person who is not watching news 24-7 or looking at the socials and, you know, and, and actively following these stories. What are those things that they need to know? And like, look, there's no science to it, but I've just always thought of, okay, what would my dad want to know and how would I tell him that information? So like for me, my dad is the kind of, is my audience, if, if you like. Um, you know, he's someone who obviously wants to be informed and know what's what's going on, but uh, yeah, doesn't necessarily kind of have the kind of deep level of, um, of understanding um, of an issue just because, you know, he's not following it 24-7. So it's really about being able to pick the eyes and the really most important parts of the story. So I think yeah, certainly in the coronavirus pandemic, uh, the number one thing we were looking for is how does this affect our remote um, communities and and or Indigenous people in regional areas because we're sort of very mindful that that is something that in all of the other coronavirus coverage that's going on in the mainstream that perhaps the information for remote communities or people that live outside of the cities perhaps wasn't being provided as much. So that's something that we as NITV should be looking at. Also, all of the information about restrictions, what you can and can't um, do was really important because, again, really varied right across the state. And it was changing every day. That's right. So, you know, yes, there was lots of information about coronavirus um, internationally, um, a lot of, you know, medical and science information. And, you know, so, yeah, there was a lot about, for instance, uh, the efforts to find a vaccine. And yes, certainly that's very important. But we sort of made some calls in terms of other places are covering it. So we don't necessarily need to be covering that as closely. What we need to be thinking about at all times is our audience, how this affects them, and certainly perhaps, uh, you know, uh, elevating some of the information um, as it pertains to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that wasn't being covered as well in other uh, media. Because, you know, we saw with swine flu, a couple of years back when the devastating impacts that had in the Indigenous community. So we were so ever mindful that coronavirus, if it had gotten into remote communities, and as far as we know, it hasn't. So yeah. that's that's really good. But we were very mindful in those early days when there was all of this information being, you know, out there that we had to sort of decide 
from this, uh, you know, all of this volume of, of ever-changing information, what to, to put in our news bulletins. We just came back to, you know, the, the information that people needed to know about how to keep themselves safe and the information that pertained to Indigenous communities, which, you know, because all of the state premiers and the prime minister and the territory chief minister uh, there in the Northern Territory were you know, often ask questions in their press conferences about Indigenous communities, but that wasn't always, you know, what was highlighted in the other media. So we would sort of seize on that, elevate that. That was our number one uh, information. And then the rest, obviously important information that, you know, applies to, to everyone, not just our Indigenous viewers. But yeah, we sort of needed, you know, people to know that borders were closing and if you were, you know, wanting to travel in and out of your community, you know, what that meant, that you would either have to quarantine or perhaps not go and, you know, the warnings about not, you know, travelling into town to do your grocery shopping, things like that, um, you know, in, in many ways it was quite local information uh, for a national news service but because it was applying to so many of our people right across the country it was sort of it was one of those cases where local news was of national importance yeah. too in these kind of unprecedented uh, <laughs> times for us all. So it's a lot of information get, to get through. Uh, your day-to-day your you know just coming to work doing your job how has that changed over the last three months? How, how does it look different to you? Well, look, I think firstly, obviously, we here at NITV and, and more broadly within SBS, because we sit within their newsroom, uh, you know, firstly, have had to be really mindful about um, adhering to those social distance um, regulations um, and, yeah, thinking about ways um, that we can keep everyone's safe in the workplace, because yeah. this is such an essential service that we're, we're providing in terms of of news, we didn't, you know, no one wants to do anything that's going to jeopardise uh, that. So firstly, I think the biggest change is that um, we don't have the full complement of journalists in our newsroom. <laughs> and in fact, you know, we were doing seven day a week news bulletins and we sort of had alternating teams of, you know, myself and another producer uh, were sort of one, one team or one pod, if you like, and then we had another producer and another presenter and we tried not never to be in the building at the same time because if one team kind of, if someone was to come into contact with, with COVID-19 and had to stay at home, then we had to have someone uh, who could, could step in and keep the news on air. So that's been a big change. You have someone on the news every night. You, can, you can't that's just right. not have anyone reading the news or you know, reading the news isn't really something that you can do from home, is it? No. Well, we <laughs> did think it like potentially we sort of thought about maybe doing it through Zoom. But look, <laughs> I think I live in the place with the worst internet connectivity in Sydney. So if it had come to that, yeah, I don't I don't know that I would no. have um, been able to, <laughs> to do that. So I think in terms of, you know, we suddenly were doing more news updates and longer um, news updates because we actually extended our bulletin for a time just because there was so much information we couldn't fit it in. So we're actually doing more on air than ever before, but with less people here hands-on to actually <laughs> put it to air. So I felt like in those early weeks I was living, breathing, you know, I felt like a expert on coronavirus, <laughs> coronavirus. restrictions. <laughs> Ask me what you need to know. So yeah, but as I said, like um, for me as, as a journalist, it's been a long time since I've been 
I can think of any situation where you have, I have worked on a situation where the story is just ever changing and developing and breaking. So I guess from a journalistic point of view, I did enjoy that challenge, a little bit of an adrenaline um, kick, but yeah, you know, the novelty of that wore off (laughs) after a couple of days and it just became um, exhausting. So yeah, I think in answer to your question, it's sort of like, yes, doing more, um, not necessarily with less resources, but our resources were spread out both physically here in the newsroom. And of course, we had journalists who were trying to file stories from home and the way they filed stories is completely now rather than send a camera, um, send them out with a camera to do their interviews you know, all of our uh, talent were being, you know, we're crossing to them via Zoom. And uh, and I, look, I honestly think that has been a bit of a game changer and that that's something we'll probably continue to do because it is so convenient, yeah. especially for people who perhaps live in areas where we can't send a camera because they're a bit remote, you know, jump on, on Zoom. So, yes, the way we cover stories changed, the, you know, the, the, yes, amount of stories we were doing changed overnight so yeah there's been quite a few changes so even though what I what I'm actually doing on the day-to-day didn't change we're just doing more of it yep less people (laughs) (laughs) ever change and like you constantly check often you can do a story and leave it and know that it's still going to be current when you when you come to go into the into the studio and record it but with coronavirus you were literally having to check your your figures and your statistics and that things hadn't developed, you know, so you're rewriting the same story three times sometimes throughout the day to make sure you had the most current information. You come in the next day and it's changed again. So (laughs) really has kept us on our toes. Um, But as I said, it's it's been great for someone who has been involved in TV news for for 20 years. It, It sort of took me back to when I first started 20 years ago reporting on the Olympics and again that that was constantly you having to constantly update that and had very little time to turn around the sports results as they were happening it it was kind of yeah took me back to those early days as a journalist and um yeah just kind of making sure that we had the you know the latest and most important information to get people out get it out to people as quickly as we could yeah but as you said earlier it's exhausting keeping on top of everything so how do you make sure that you're okay among all of this how do you look after yourself I think it was really important for me while we were working really long intense days that I'm sort of able to try and switch off once I once I get home and so it was kind of kind of good in a way um, that there was nowhere you could go and we're all being encouraged to stay home so for me it's about once that you know I get home and that door shuts behind me that try and switch off from it from until morning and look it was you know it is difficult because it's also important as a journalist that you do you know stay across um, the story but I sort of tried to you know just watch ABC News or, or whatever, uh, SBS News as well, you know, just for half an hour or so, but then switch off. Don't get sucked into the 24-hour, <laughs> you know, News yeah. 24, watching Twitter. it, scrolling <laughs> on Twitter. I think the fact I have such poor internet is quite a good thing for me because it kind of forces me to switch off. If Self-care my, so, yeah, have bad internet. <laughs> bad internet. It means you can't refresh your, your news feed. <laughs> So you're less likely to sit there and scroll through it all night. So I was already pretty good at that. But in a way, and there were a couple of times I thought, oh, should I, you know, connect to the NBN? Should I get better internet 
because I thought, well, if the pandemic had gone on for a bit longer, it might become necessary in case I do need to start working from home. But I kind of like having that as an excuse that, nah, you can't contact me and I can't really, (laughs) you know, do that. So, yeah, so I think that was really important. And, um, yeah, and I've still obviously been trying to, you know, to do all of the things and, you know, obviously that advice wasn't just for, for us journalists, that all of the things that they advised us to sort of do during this pandemic in terms of, you know, staying in contact virtually with uh, friends and family and I was trying to practice a bit of yoga at home and, and, and stay active. So, yeah, I kind of followed the advice that the experts gave in terms of, well, if, you've, if, you, if you're staying at home here are some of the self-care things to do. And I thought, well, they're the experts. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of nice to, well, we're all staying at home, but, yeah, get into a bit of a routine rather than just, you know. Exist. It, yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's, <laughs> I think, where you fall down the rabbit hole of getting on social media and just looking at that and that only, you know, adds to your anxiety. Whereas if I know, okay, well, I'm going to set my alarm and I'm going to get up and, uh, you know, I'm going to do my dishes. My house has never been cleaner. <laughs> I think I'm many people can say the same. <laughs> I'm doing the dishes three times a day. I know. So, so that's wonderful. I feel like I've really got organised over these last uh, month or, my or so. My plants are alive. That's it. <laughs> so great. I was kind of turned my focus to some of those, used it as an opportunity to, yeah, get on top of some of that household organization tasks that I've been meaning to and still tried to you know because I'm at the yoga studio sort of four times a week in normal circumstances so I was still I probably only was doing it once or twice during the week because look let's face it it's never quite the same it's when not. you're at home, I'd be there supposed to be stretching out and I'd notice, oh, there's a bit of dust there. I need to get the vacuum in that corner. So, oh, And I never knew how much my neighbour loves his leaf blower until I was staying at home. <laughs> I feel like everyone in my apartment building has decided to do DIY projects that involve power tools. Mine too. I'm trying to work here. I'm trying to record a Zoom interview and there's just a drill going and it's like this is And it's only when you're trying to practice yoga or do a phone interview or something that seems to be perfectly timed. The only time. Is there anything from this time, any, you know, lessons that we've learned or, you know, ways that we've been operating as as a society, as a country that you'd like to see continue after this is all over? I really think it has been a bit of a wake-up call as to just, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, look, before this happened I didn't really know my neighbours' names or, you know, you just sort of knew them in passing and it has kind of brought us all together in a weird way considering we, you know, uh, have to stay apart. So I hope that's something that continues. And, you know, certainly um, with all of the the coverage that we were doing coronavirus, we were always looking for that one kind of warm and fuzzy story at the end of the day. And that was things like seeing all the neighbours in Italy out on their balcony all singing together and, yeah, some of the social media uh, challenges that people have been doing um, around the world to kind of stay connected. So, you know, I hope that's something that certainly uh, continues, that we're just a little bit mindful of connecting with with those around us and, you know, learning our neighbours' names. I'm actually, you know, a Neighbour Day ambassador, which is something I've been doing for several years now. So it's something I've always kind of been promoting, but it's been really interesting to see uh, the increased level of interest around Neighbour Day, which fell in the la- on the last Sunday in uh, March. So right as this 
you know, we'd been kind of three or four weeks affected by the pandemic before that fell. So I think people, yeah, have really kind of taken that on. So I hope that's something um, that continues. And as I said, in terms of the news, I think it's really forced us to rethink. Fortunately, it never got to the stage where we needed to take our bulletin and try and present it from home. But we've really had to think about different ways of storytelling and different ways of news gathering. And I certainly think some of the technologies that we've been uh, embraced because we had to, because that was the only way to get stories out. But it certainly proved a good way that, okay, well, we can get a guest onto our program via Skype. Like we probably could have done it before, but it was just so much easier to say, oh, I'll come into the studio or yeah, we'll go and do a, a satellite hookup with you. So we can maybe sort of look to get, you know, other guests because, you know, all they need to do is walk, walk to their computer at home and uh, cross that way. So I think, yeah, it'll really open up this whole new world of opportunities for the way we gather news um, because now we've had to find ways of doing it that don't involve a camera or a studio, yeah. which were our go-tos before all of this. So, yeah, I think there's a couple of things that hopefully um, changes we've made for the better that will, um, will stick around um, even once we're all back out socialising in large groups again (laughs) (laughs) back at the gym and the yoga studio and everything yeah oh thanks so much for joining me and chatting about all the the behind the scenes of the news that we see on the telly and and how things have had to adjust it's been yeah I obviously I'm aware of everything that needs to happen being at, at the office with you sometimes in the newsroom with you sometimes but it's still fascinating to hear so thank and you I so think much. it's something it's it is really um important to understand some of the yeah the behind the scenes stuff I think people are always yeah that's the questions I get the most are kind of the behind the scenes kind of how does this all all work exactly yeah yeah, looks like magic when I was little mum convinced me that people were on the telly because they crawled like they were little tiny people (laughs) down the power cord and then got into the telly and the the television screen was just a big magnet that blew them up to bigger size So it's a bit like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? Mike TV. Yeah, good imagination, my mum. <laughs> so you know, uh, uncovering the magic of television is is yeah. something that I've really enjoyed doing <laughs> in my time working here. Um, but yeah, yeah, it is. It's certainly magical in front of the of the of the telly. But as I said, you know, I sort of oftentimes feel like, you know, as the presenter, I sort of get a lot of the accolades because I am the person behind the scenes that it's times like this, you really like to pay tribute, yeah, to our editors and our camera operators and the journalists who are providing all of the news and doing all of the, the hard work. So we've got that program and we can get that information out. So it's always nice to talk about, yeah, the behind the scenes people that make that happen. Yeah. It's not just, yeah, yep. me on your telly uh, every <laughs> night. A lot, of, a lot of work goes into what you see every night on NITV. Yep. News. Big team effort. Absolutely. Thanks, Television's Nat. a team game. <laughs> and uh, see you on the telly. For sure. Thank you. Take a flat. And that was Natalie Armat, who you will see on all of our news bulletins if you ever tune in to NITV News. I think it would be a bit remiss to you know chat about how hard it is to do this kind of work without also talking a bit about mental health because this is something that we're all being impacted by you know no matter whether we've had to isolate to do our work whether we suddenly have no work now whether our workload has increased just this whole idea of you know, work and self-care and, and balancing that is really quite difficult Kira. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I know in the early stages of, of having to kind of be isolated, it was extremely difficult. You know, I I'm away from country and away from family. So it was it was a bit frightening to kind of go, I'm gonna be here in Sydney where I've got no family. And I have to stay here. You know, I had my mum ringing me and going, you have to come home, you have to come home. And I just, like, it, I just couldn't, you know. My my dad's asthmatic, my sister's got an autoimmune disorder. I kind of didn't want to take the risk of being, well, Sydney was the kind of epicentre. Yeah. The I, I was didn't want to a, take that risk. I was in a similar position. You know, my mum works in aged care. So, you know, being a, an older Aboriginal woman herself being at risk and then you know, knowing that she's still going to work every day and would be exposed to a lot of other you know elderly people and making sure that I'm not an asymptomatic carrier and all of these things just absolutely play on your mind and and not being able to see family is really tough. Yeah, and I think a lot of our mob were in the same situation and, you know, that's how we kind of recharge and look after ourselves is going home and getting on country and being with family. So, yeah, it's been like a, a quite a tough couple of months and I think something that's really being drawn out of this is the online space and and the way that we can use that to kind of connect with each other. I spoke to the founder of Titters for Titters, the Instagram page, um, Marley Silva, her name is, and she was she was telling me about the different ways that she's seen people kind of engaging and interacting on that page, you know, looking out for each other in the comments section, just going, hey, sis, how are you going? Like, yeah. You know, in ways that she'd never seen before. Um, so let's let's take a listen to that. Always love, always love it. Black. People are reaching out to us more in the the DM sense, and I think that people just want to talk to us a little bit more. And I, I find that um, you know, there's a lot more engagement in the in the sense of comments and, and conversations in the comments on posts. And I think, and they're all really positive and beautiful. And um, you know, obviously when we talk about any of the stuff that's happening, um, you know, because as much as we really put positivity and optimism at the front of what we talk about, we also are realistic when it comes to some issues and um, they can be obviously heavy and things like that. So sometimes there's some heated discussion that happens in the comments, which we love and think is really healthy, but that's kind of not there anymore. And we have really amped up the positivity because we know everyone needs to focus on that. And so it's been nice seeing a lot of support, you know, between one another, a lot of people who want to shout out their sister girl's business and still get them help. And that's awesome. And we specifically said to people like, we know a lot of small businesses are suffering right now and we can help, you know, direct some people to your page. So like we've done a lot more posts about businesses and we're going to keep doing that um, for as long as, as we need to. And, um, yeah, that those have been the, the big changes. They've been, um, positive ones. Not that we've had a lot of negative, um, kind of comments anyway, but it's just nice seeing a, a lot more people being like, just checking up on each other, even like in the comments on our posts. So it's, it's really nice to see that everyone's focused on the same thing. Always so that was Marley Silva from Titters for Titters um, speaking there on on the way that she's seen you know interaction with her um, in Instagram page change during the coronavirus pandemic, and you know in the last couple of weeks as well we've kind of seen another 
I guess, blow to our mental health. You know, we, we saw the, the video of George Floyd in the US and that was scarily similar to some of the videos that have come out of our own country and kind of reflected a conversation that we weren't, we weren't having here. And then to see the protests over in the US and then, you know, translating that here and starting to have that conversation in the small ways and the big ways that we are now, it, it's been great. You know, we've seen people, you know, speaking up on social media, you know, rallying around, but it's also been, you know, a time when the onus has been put on us as blackfellas to, to kind of take the lead in this, but not just that, to, to educate everyone while we're at it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a big job and it, and it's exhausting sometimes. And, and Marley also spoke to me about some advice that she, um, she had from her dad about taking care of herself. And I just think it's just the most beautiful advice and, and I reckon we should take a listen to, to Marley again on that. You know, my dad always says when I, we get real upset about particular things that happen or um, you feel really frustrated and, and hopeless about the state of the world, you know, particularly in a time like now, what we've seen in Minneapolis and across the United States um, and how it does kind of reflect um, the the conversation that isn't happening in Australia around the violence against our people, um, you know, inflicted by the police. He, he always says to me, um, we, we never get to retire from being black. We never, ever get to stop. The fight is your whole life. So don't feel afraid to do an energy check and step away and look for something good to help you heal. And I, I really, I hear that play in the back of my mind a lot when it comes into this stuff, because you fall into the rabbit hole, even on social media or online reading different articles. And you just feel like, oh my gosh, the world is falling apart. What is the point? What is, you know, are we ever going to actually make the changes? Um, but then I, I do check myself and check the people around me um, to, to go, hang on, Yep, we understand. We've recognised this. We've voiced our perspective, um, but let's let's take a break and let's look at something good and remember the good stuff that's happening in the world. Um, not because it's more important, but because it is important to our own mental health. Take it black. And that was Marley Silver from Titters for Titters. Uh, she's just launched a, a new podcast as well. So, yeah, if you head to her Instagram page, you can find that one there. It is interesting that, you know, the place that we turn to to you know, support each other and, and connect with each other during a time when we couldn't do it in person ended up becoming somewhere that you needed to also take breaks from because it was really difficult to just deal with everything online and offline. And, and I know that I you know, personally found that really, really, really hard. And honestly, just being able to put my phone in a drawer every Sunday and just try to get outside and take my shoes off and you know put my feet in the dirt has been the best possible thing. Hard to do in Sydney. There's not a lot of dirt in Sydney to put your feet into. Not a lot of rivers, but um but no, I've been doing my best to to do that. And I'm wondering, Kira, I, I chatted a little bit earlier, you would have heard from you know Nat and and also from Rana just about, you know, self-care and and how you know, we've been looking after ourselves during this time. And is, is that something that you've been focusing on too? Absolutely. I am in the same boat. I try to switch off my phone. I try to, I 
get outside. I need to be outside. I take a walk around my block, you know, every day and, you know, that's enough during the week. But on weekends, I just have to get out and go and look at some trees. (laughs) Just go touch some trees. That's it. (laughs) People are like trail running past me being like, what is that woman doing? I'm like, I'm touching a tree. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Just getting in the dirt, gathering up sticks and just like, yeah, just smelling everything. You know, it's, it's, so important and even just little things like you know taking a bath or like doing a face mask or if I if I get really antsy I tend to bake so my fridge and my freezer (laughs) are absolutely full of like chocolate muffins and like weeks worth of soup and it's just like everyone you know my my partner loves it because he's well fed. But um, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. You gotta bring some of those cakes into work now that you're back in the office. <laughs> I will. I'll have to. Every Friday, bring me some baked goods. Now, Kira, yourself and Jack Lattimore, other host of Take It Black, uh, sat down recently for our next episode, which is coming up. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what we can expect for that? Yeah, so the next episode is all about poetry and politics. So we sat down with Ellen Van Nieuwen and Evelyn Arlen, and we spoke about the anthology of, of poems at Firefront that they're both featured in and um, also about some of their other work and, you know, how that kind of feeds into the discussions going on at the moment, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and yeah, we, we had some really great conversations with them so I'm really excited for everyone to, to hear that one as well. Well, I'm very much looking forward to listening to that one myself. And if you are also looking forward to listening to that episode, make sure that you subscribe so that you absolutely do not miss it. And until then, make sure to take it black. Oh, I love, oh, I love.